Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today I felt impressed to emphasize something that I know if you've been in this house for a long time, you have heard me repeat many times because of not only its urgency in the time that we're living in, but its importance to us individually. Everyone who claims to be born again, everyone who claims to be a mature son of God. Bible says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, so are they the sons of God. Sons, the Greek is heos, means the mature ones of God. For as many as have matured or are matured, in the things of the Spirit. This is one of the most ardent instructions of our times. And I'll tell you why. When the Word of Faith movement came, I think should have been in the 50s. Those of us who have read history, modern history at least, there was an emphasis on applying yourself to faith and speaking the Word until you see power manifest until you get the answer that you've believed for. And I remember one time, a couple of years, saying something in that respect, that that movement had its results. And I, I find people who criticize it, but they cannot deny that it came with such power and undeniable results. Of course, there were a few things that were wanting, like every movement, the people who come in theirs to come will judge ours too. And not because we were wrong, but because there is an indelible law that has been fixed by God for the next generations to know more than the generations before. You're following? That's why the Bible says that in the last days, knowledge shall be increased. It says knowledge shall be increased. It means that whether you want it or not, everyday knowledge comes to the earth and the next generation will know more and your children's children will know more. We will know more than our parents before. That's how God has designed the world. That's how God has set the course of the earth as we know it. So it's okay if they judge us, if only there will be a better version of us, we shall have done well. Even for them to see further than we have, it only means they had shoulders on which they stood. It shall suffice with us that we preach the gospel, at least to the place where they could see further than we did. Because if the next generation sees like we saw, or even less than we did, would only mean that we miss something very fundamental in the faith. But as it was in the Word of Faith movement, um, many people failed to get the results that they expected, even though they confessed these things and alluded to believing them. Why? Because they did not have a relationship. They did not have a relationship. They didn't relate. They were not intimate with the word that they were 
speaking. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not a, an experience out of meditation. It was simply uh, in some that they heard that somebody says, you say this and it works. And so they said it, copying what others said. Yet those which said it and had the results actually had a relationship with the word. Are you following what I'm saying? It's a very important thing to have a relationship with the word. When the Bible says in Deuteronomy 11, bind these words on your hands, put them in your mind, you know, place them in your heart. They should not be forgotten. Stick to them and things like that. It literally emphasizes to us that when we are studying the word of God, it's not something you read like you're reading the newspapers. It is something that you are supposed to allow to build a relationship with your regenerated spirit. Because the spirit man needs to learn. He needs to be learned. And I've said that before. But many of us do not have learned spirit. And the Bible says that the Lord has given the tongue of the land to know how to speak a word to him that is weary. And he wakeneth my ear even as one which is learned. What is a learned ear? That's a learned spirit. God has given us this word to train our spirit to align to his will and purposes. Hallelujah. But when we say speak the right words, many of us don't have a relationship with this, that statement. When we say confess, right? Confess positively, speak as the word of God. Many of us don't have a relationship with that instruction. The Bible says if any man should speak, let him speak as the oracles of God if you should speak. And how do I know that we don't have a relationship with this thing? I have noticed many a time, especially as a pastor in my counseling space, that many people are good at confessing, right? When their feelings align, you know, with the circumstance at play. For example, if somebody wasn't feeling well yesterday, they had a bad stomach, and... Uh, they swallow a few things and then the next day their stomach is feeling better. It is easy for that person to confess, right? But when this stomach or if this stomach is found in trouble and it disturbs this person, you find that person falling back. And then they confess something they're not supposed to confess. Although they were okay when the headache subsided, right? And then for some time they're confessing, right? And then... If this headache comes back, again, you find them confessing negatively. Why? Because it's not a revelation. It's not something we have a relationship with. Even though they tell us to confess positively, and then you find people who are always, uh, the Bible calls them double-minded. They're confessing right, and then they forget, and then they confess wrong. I mean, then they come back. You understand? So it's a woe. And it's okay if you're training your spirit. But it's important that you have a relationship with that instruction, with that understanding. Because we see people who confess one word, the Bible says they worship God with their mouths, but their hearts are what? Afar. It means even though among people they confess right, their hearts are not yet tuned. They're not yet set to the right meditation. When the Bible says do not think in your heart, your thought pattern does not only end here. When the Bible says do not say in your heart, your speech does not only end in the words your mouth speaks. 
your heart speaks to. Tell your neighbor, your heart speaks to. So some people can say, I am not sick. I am not sick. But their heart is saying, I am sick. I am sick. I am sick. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Their heart speaks differently from their mouth. That means we have not built or matured into relationship with this thing called confession. Why aren't we growing in this? Again, it goes back on the fundamental doctrine of separating firstly the chasm between that Old Testament and how men related with the law and the dispensation of the New Testament and how men ought to operate in grace. And I'll prove that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's go to verses 7. Let me begin from verses 7. He says, If the ministration of death, written and engraved in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away with, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? Paul begins by again helping us draw this aperture between the ministration of death. What was the ministration of death? It was the law. Why? Because the Bible says the letter killers. Why was the law given? That all mouths may be stopped and that all men will be guilty before God. That was why the law was given. The law was given to prove to you only this one point. You can't. The moment you know that you can't, it cannot give you power to or enable you to do. That is why the Bible tells us that the law was the schoolmaster that led us to Christ. Why? Because it is easy for you to fall down to the saving power and grace of our Lord when you have understood that you can't. When you still think you can't, you're going to use your own effort and your own skill and your own wisdom and your own strength, which all will end into nothing. It won't work. Are you following what I'm saying? So why was the law given? It was given that all mouths may be stopped and that all men will be guilty before God. Romans 3.19 says that if I want to shut you up, I just bring the law. And every man here will shut up. I don't care how righteous you assume you are. I just need to bring these commandments and say, tell me you didn't break one of these. And surely there will be one broken. The Bible says if you break one, you've broken all. Are you following what I'm saying? So that was the ministration of death. Written and engraved in stones. Remember, Moses brought the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone. Or perhaps maybe let's read the Amplified Bible to help some of us understand uh, where we were coming from. He says, now the dispensation of death engraved in the letters of stone. Amplified says, the ministration of the law was inaugurated with such glory and splendor that the Israelites were not able to look steadfastly at the face of Moses because of its brilliance. A glory that was to fade and pass away. Even that dispensation had such a glory that the countenance of Moses shined so bright that nobody could look steadfastly or steadily on Moses' face. When you looked at his face, the brightness would overwhelm you. Yet it was a ministration of death. 
And the Bible continues to say, why should not the dispensation of the Spirit, the spiritual ministry, now listen, that is why I wish people understand this thing called the grace message. Because some people are so myopic. When you talk about grace message, they think, I think this is this new thing. Oh, you have heard them say, we teach people to sin. Such foolishness. Such foolishness. Such foolishness. Times three. Intended, by the way. You see, because they don't understand the mystery behind this message we call the grace of God. God, by scripture, has called it the ministry of the Spirit. The grace message is the ministry of the Spirit. He has said that there is a ministry of the law and the ministry of the Spirit. He says, why should not the dispensation of the Spirit? The dispensation of grace is the dispensation of the Spirit. That is why the Bible says, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. The Spirit giveth life. What is this Spirit? It is the gospel of God's grace towards mankind. That's the ministry of the Spirit. So he says, why should not the dispensation of the Spirit, this spiritual, listen, ministry, whose task is to cause men to obtain and be governed by the Holy Spirit. Oh, this ministry has one task only, to cause you to obtain the Holy Spirit and to be governed by Him. Now, how can you be governed by the Holy Spirit and you sin? Do you get it? Because God knew, He could not tell you don't sin and then you, you say, okay, I'm not going to sin. Your fallen body can't. Your fallen nature can't. Your carnal self can't. You can't say, I'm not going to steal in your carnal nature. You can't. Otherwise, then why would you need a savior? Are you following? But why did he give you the spirit? Because he knew you're going to need a helper. You're going to need an advocate. You're going to need a standby. Somebody who will be on your side to help you go through this issue. That's the person of the Holy Spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now let's go back. He calls this dispensation the dispensation of the Spirit. So you can choose to either live in the dispensation of the Spirit or fall back, retrograde, to the dispensation of the letter or the dispensation of the law. Any man which lives under the dispensation of the law cannot fulfill the righteousness of God. They cannot live right, even if they try. Don't be deceived. Any man under the law is bound to be proved a hundred times and more every day that they are guilty. They are guilty before God. Why? Because they will fall anyway. They don't have the strength. The law was never given to help a man walk out of sin. It was simply to help you understand that you can't. Let's go back. So he says that there is a ministration of the Spirit whose task is to cause men to obtain and be governed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, it should be attended with much greater and more splendid glory. In other words, because you live in the dispensation of grace, which is the dispensation of the ministry of the Spirit, we are attended with much glory. We are attended with much glory. Anybody in this dispensation is supposed to live a more glorious life than any man in the dispensation before. Elijah looks at you and he admires you. Jeremiah looks at you and admires you. Ezekiel looks at you and admires you. 
The Bible says, all of these having obtained a good report through faith. Hebrews 11, 39. He's talking about all those who went before you. The Bible says, receive not the promise. God having provided something better. Better things for us. Give it to me in the Amplified Version. He says, and all these, though they won divine approval by means of their faith, did not receive the fulfillment of what was promised. Because God had us in mind. Listen. And had something. Are you reading? Better and greater in view of us so that they, the Hezekiahs and Ezekiel, those heroes and heroines of faith, should not come to perfection apart from us before we could join them. Woohoo! Hallelujah! Glory to God! That means Isaiah looks at you and is incomplete without your story. That's why you just can't sit down in Pizza Hut and eat pizzas the whole day. Praise God. Hallelujah. After eating your pizza, you go lock yourself up and say, let me do and believe God for something that will cause Isaiah to look at me up there and say, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. These guys, these guys know what they're doing. Somebody shout amen. They could not be perfected apart from us before we could join them, before our testimony would come with theirs. Are you following me, child of God? So then I imagine these guys made access float. They raised dead people. One of them stopped the sun. You know, they waxed valiant in battle. The Bible says they tore the mounts of lions and all of these having obtained a good report through faith would not be made perfect without our testing. What a glory. So he's saying this dispensation is inaugurated with far greater glory. Far greater glory. If you read that in the message version, if you read verses 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 8, it says, how much more dazzling than the government of the living spirit. How much more dazzling. Next line. Again, message, verses 9. If the government of condemnation was impressive, how about this government of affirmation? If the government that condemned you was impressive, how about this one that affirms you? The other one used to say you're a sinner. This one says you're the righteousness of God in Christ. He says, how much more? How much more? Glory to God. Glory to God. Verses 10. Read the message again. He says, bright as the old government was, he said, it would look downright dull alongside this new one. It would be dull. The glory on Moses would dull if it came in contact with what's on your life. What the Israelites couldn't look upon because it was so bright, if it comes to it, it would be so deep. It would look at you like the Israelites looked at Moses. Nudge somebody and tell them that's it. Are you following what I'm saying? Let's go back to verses 9, amplified. For if the service that condemns the ministration of doom had glory, how infinitely more abounding in splendor and glory must be, not will, not could, not should, must be, not might, must be the service that makes righteous. The ministry that produces, huh? and fosters righteous living and right standing with God. This ministry produces and fosters. In other words, it makes you righteous and causes you to live righteous without your own effort. 
but the working of the Spirit. Because you believe in the finished work of Christ on the cross at Calvary and the righteousness imputed on you through faith and the working of the Holy Spirit. For the Bible says, work out your salvation in fear and in trembling. Comma. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Or you work out your salvation in fear and in trembling. Right? Somebody says, okay, I think I need to do certain things. But it, says, but it is God who works in you. Meaning, so how do you work out what God is going to work out in you, except he's saying, learn to yield to the God to work in you. Are you following what I'm saying? Work out your salvation in fear and in trembling. The teachers of the law ended there. They don't add. They leave out the weightier matter. And this is the weightier matter. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. That means God is telling you, learn to yield to me, to allow me to work in you. I'm not looking at your performance. I'm looking at your yieldedness to allow me to perform in you. That is powerful. Now, when you understand the ministration of the Spirit, the ministration of grace, the dispensation, the ministration that makes you right with God, imputed, by faith and not of works. The ministration of the new dispensation. He says in verses 10, Indeed, in view of this fact, what once had splendor, the glory of the law in the face of Moses, has come to have no splendor at all. Listen, because of the overwhelming glory that exceeds and excels it, the glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. I wish some people understand how powerful this thing is. The glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke unto us by the prophets, or through the prophets and our fathers. But the Bible says, but he has in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. I wish people understand this thing. I wish people understood the meaning of this Hebrews 1, 1, 2. He says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto us by our fathers and the prophets has in these last days spoken by Christ. I wish people know what it means to have spoken. Let me help some of you. There's somebody who can't sleep because somebody spoke a prophecy on you. That person has just spoken it. In Hebrews, the Bible says, God has spoken to us by Christ. Who knows what I'm saying? In other words, the word spoken to us by Christ came before anything else that they could ever speak on your life. That's why nobody has a vote on my destiny. Nobody can take me out by words. I have a tongue too. Somebody shout amen. And the tongue that I use is of one who has already spoken. Who spoke before they spoke. Come on somebody. He went ahead of it and knew that some random silly spirit will come and say, you'll never have children. And then he spoke. He spoke already on my behalf. 
So I want to see what speaks later. Do you know that nothing that comes after can speak greater than what Christ has already spoken? Nothing. Nobody can take you out with words. If you have the word. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That is why when Moses later comes and God builds a relationship with the children of Israel through the law, you must understand that God had a relationship with people before the law. He related with Abraham without the law. But Abraham went to heaven. So don't think that without the law, a man can't go to heaven. Some people are so lost. They don't yet understand the power of this thing. The law came later. God still related with people. When you make that statement, people say, oh, it's against the law. That means he's saying it's okay to commit murder. You see the stupidity? No, I have no kind words for such people. I call them stupid. Yeah, I mean, Jesus used to, Jesus used worse words. Brood of vipers. <laughs> Let's read. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. Why? Because the promise was made to Abraham before the law. Who has understood it? That which comes later can't check out what came before. You understand what I'm saying? Before they spoke those words against you, God had already spoken and he already has an opinion. I know the plans that I have for you. <laughs> Laugh at the devil! Plans to make you prosper and not to harm you. Yes, I know you look like you're in trouble. But God spoke. He spoke. He spoke. It can't make the promise of none effect. It was added. <laughs> the Bible says the law was added. That's what the Bible says. It says that the law was added. So I'm not saying that I'm against the law because Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. But you cannot speak about the fulfillment of the law by performing under the law. You can only fulfill the law by walking above it, by submitting yourself to one which is above the law, which is Christ. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. He's greater than the law. Because he gave it. <laughs> it didn't give him. Do you understand what I'm saying? God gave the law. The law didn't give him. Are you following what I'm saying? So, anyway, let's continue. So the Bible says that indeed, in view of this fact, there's going to be an overwhelming glory that exceeds and excels the glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. In the face of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Verse 11, For if that which was but passing and fading away came with splendor, how much more that which remains and is permanent, abide in glory and splendor. That means that what you received is permanent. So if Moses was living in this dispensation, he would not need to hide his face because it would not fade. It's an ever-increasing glory 
that does not fade out. If Moses was in this dispensation, constantly he would be before the children of Israel, ministering, not worried that something will dim. Now, it's important to understand what this means. It's very important. Because there's a pastor who thinks, what if one day my church fails? You don't understand 2 Corinthians chapter 3. What if one day I wake up and the ministry is no more? You don't understand 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Then someone is saying in his heart, hmm, Apostle, you don't understand. Why? Because you are referring to other people's experiences, not the word. He says, concerning my government, my government, my government. And peace, the Bible says, there shall be no end. Rightly said. There shall be no end. When it comes to God's government, there shall be no end. He says, the zeal of the Lord shall perform us. It means, if you know you were called by God, I'm not talking about those who are still guessing, did I, was I ready, was I commissioned by God? Was it the Holy Spirit? Am I sure? Am I an apostle? Oh, am I an evangelist? I'm not talking of those who are searching themselves. First finish searching yourself and arrive to who you are. I'm talking to those who know who they are. He says of the increase of his government and peace. He says there shall be no end. There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from hence even to forever. From hence even forever. For the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Say I refuse to deem. My star will shine and shine and shine. And I refuse to deem. I refuse to regress. Say it with your mouth. I can't go backward. I go forward. Say I progress. In the name of Jesus. So what if you have gone through, you know, some regression? Yeah, that's a minor setback. It's minor. It's minor. It doesn't define who you are. Hey, but I was divorced. Yes, we can believe God. But as fired, yes, we can believe God. But my church went out and I lost all the members. It's okay. There are still 8 billion people on the face of the earth. Somebody shout amen. amen. I lost my business. It's okay. We can begin from somewhere and still believe God. We can believe God. Say, I refuse in the name of Jesus. To go back again from where I came from. Because the dispensation, say it, under which I was born cannot allow me. It can't. It can't. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. Yes, he says this one remains and it's permanent. Our marriages are permanent. Somebody shout hallelujah. Ministries are remaining and they are permanent. Somebody shout hallelujah. Your kidneys remain. Shout hallelujah. Your liver remains. Your heart remains. Glory to God. Your eyes remain. Glory to God. You won't lose your sight. You see what has happened even before I went to the next verse? Read the next verse. Since whoop, we have such glorious hope, such joyful and confident expectation. We what? We speak very freely and openly and fearlessly. Glory to God. Some of you say, I will make it. No! I will make it. Boldly. Glory to God. 
Because the ministration under which I'm functioning remains. It abides forever. It abides forever. It remains. It's permanent. The glory God gave me. That's why I feel sorry for our detractors. I feel sorry for those who hate us. Because God is not going to take it off my head. He's not. It's too late. I didn't ask for it, but the fact that he put it here. Glory to God. Suck somebody and tell him, God can't take it off my head. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Tell your neighbor, I don't know why he chose me. But he chose me. <laughs> Since we have such glorious hope and joyful and confident expectation, our expectation is confident. Hey, 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 our expectation is confident. So, you see, this is more than positive confession. I want to give you a relationship with this thing you call confession. So that when you're speaking, you know where you're speaking from. Because some of you say, but the Bible says you speak this way. But why does it say? I'm explaining. Second Corinthians tells you why it says. Because of the dispensation under which you have been found. It's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that glory, that splendor does not diminish. It abides permanent. What's on you won't go. But so and so was anointed and the anointing left him. Well, my people perish for lack of knowledge. They perish for a lack of knowledge. Tell your neighbor what's upon me won't leave me. He is able to keep what is committed to him to the day of Christ. He that began a good work in me, say it, shall see it to accomplishment to the day of Christ. Don't confuse your setbacks with permanent narrations or narratives. Don't confuse your setbacks, your minor setbacks with permanent narratives. Don't. It's only a matter of time. That's why Paul calls them light afflictions which are but for a moment. But for a moment. That means they have an expired date. Cancer, yes. HIV, yes. High blood pressure, yes. Diabetes, yes. He says our light affliction. God called it light. I don't care whether the doctors said it is terminal. God called it light. Which is but for a moment. God gave it an expired date. I don't care whether they are saying that this one, you live with this for the rest of your life. No. No. It worketh for us afar more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Why? Because you are in the dispensation of the ministry of the Spirit. It works for you a far more eternal weight of glory. Verses 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, while you don't look at those viruses, while you don't consider the, what the machines are saying, for the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are 
I told you if it can be seen in a lab, it's temporal. I said it many years ago. If it can be seen in a lab, it's temporal. If any machine can diagonize it, it's temporal. Glory to God. Why? Because the dispensation you're under is permanent. It abides. That glory is forever. That's why I want to emphasize the boldness of the Spirit. The boldness of the Spirit. Why are some people's spirits bold? You go through something, but your spirit says, No! This will end. And you're not just copying another person. You're speaking with understanding. It must end. I don't care how you feel. I don't care those other things that you're reading on the internet. It must end. Somebody shout amen. amen. Why? Because you spoke. That is why I tell people when they talk about put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy. Then he explains everything. Put on the shield. Put, I mean, put on the breastplate of righteousness. The sword of faith. The helmet of... Then verses 16. Ephesians chapter 6. He says, above all. Above all. Above all. Above all. What? Above all. Taking the shield of faith. Where we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All. That means there's nothing faith can't fix. Every issue you're dealing with is a faith issue. Above all, taking the shield of faith. What do shields do? Praise the Lord. I refuse cancer. I refuse diabetes. I refuse hypertension. I refuse stomach disease. I refuse eye issues. I refuse. I refuse poverty. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. He says, you take up the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able, not might be able. I watch out for those words. Not could be able, not may be able. He says, you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All. The fiery darts of the wicked. Oh. Oh. You just say this, I refuse. But you see, the boldness of speech. Because without speaking right, you can't win. Have you ever asked yourself why Jesus went through all of that suffering? Have you ever sat for a moment and asked, this was the son of God. Jesus could have ended it in a second. He could have ended it in a second. Because he knew how. Read Isaiah chapter 53. Go to that case, verse 7. You read the portion of scripture every day. The Bible says, he was what? Oppressed, comma, and he was afflicted. Why? He opened not his mouth. Who has understood it? You understand it? It was the only way he could be afflicted and oppressed. Because he couldn't speak. If he had said no, everything would shake. <laughs> Somebody shout amen. amen. That means people who don't speak are oppressed and they are afflicted. He opened not his mouth. Had he opened it? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember at one particular point when he warned people? 
and you told him, don't you know, I can right now call legions of angels here. I can mess up this place. Thinkest thou not, I cannot pray to my father and he shall presently give me more 12 legions of angels. In other words, he just needs to open his mouth and angels will appear. The only reason why Jesus refused to speak was because he had to let oppression and affliction on him for your sake. That was the only reason. That's why the Bible says the son of God, his life was not taken, it was given. Remember in Hebrews when the Bible says some refused deliverance. The Bible doesn't say they were beaten, battered, and torn and they were trying to pray and God couldn't help him. No. The Bible says women received their dead raised to life again and others, listen, were tortured, not accepting deliverance. That means that, means that deliverance was not there. They just refused to accept it. How? They didn't confess. They didn't speak themselves out of trouble. Why? Because they wanted to obtain a better resurrection. They felt the world was not worthy of them. And that's okay. You can choose to say, let me go. Stories given, I think it was of Oral Roberts. He came on Catherine Kuhlman dying and he says, I'm going to raise this woman. He stretched his hands. Catherine said no. So she died because she said no. Otherwise, the guy had come to take her out. Man, those guys were crazy. Those men were believers. They, they knew what to do. They knew that God they believed. Somebody shout hallelujah. If it's your time to die, it's okay to say, let me go. There we shall release you in peace. But if you're not ready. <laughs> Woo, let me laugh at the devil. If you're not ready, I don't care whether it's stage 20 of cancer. I don't care whether it's stage 30. Now, some guy might think I don't know the difference. Oh, no. I'm trying to say even if it went beyond, beyond what science can explain. The one I'm talking about walked to a grave four days and said, Lazarus, come forth. Three words were enough to shake a dead body back to life. Shout amen. Shout glory to God. So it's more than just speaking. It's boldness in your speech. Boldness is that confident assurance. Speaking with confidence, knowing that what you're saying must be. Why? Because you're backed up by the word. The Bible says in Acts chapter 14, so Paul and Barnabas stayed on there for a long time, speaking freely huh? and fearlessly. Amplified. You remember? Speaking freely and fearlessly. You remember where we were at earlier? Where the Bible says for this cause, because we have that kind of ministry, we speak what? Freely. Uh-huh. And fearlessly and openly. Now, Paul and Barnabas understood that dispensation and the same language is used in Acts 14 verses 3. He says, so Paul and Barnabas, amplified version, stayed on there for a long time, speaking freely and fearlessly and boldly in the Lord, who continued, listen, to bear testimony to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be performed by their hands. Why did they see signs and wonders? Because they spoke boldly, fearlessly, and freely. There is something about being bold when you're speaking. Your faith. Do you think you're going to make it? I hope. No, some people say, I hope so. I hope so. 
And then another man is asked, do you think you're going to make it? And he says, of course I have to make it. You even get offended. How could you, how could you think I can? You, holy anger. How can I not make it? Glory to God. How can I not make it? Of course I'll make it. I have made it. Boldness. But you're 60. Are you getting married? Golden mothers. I am on you this year and next year. Those single mothers who are above 50, I'm on you this year and next year. I'm even calling them personally now. Why aren't you married? I don't want to. I go on my knees. I ask God for somebody to come and disturb you. Shembra de gazogata. Sotalabode. Bradego zimbra de gato. You're scaring us. You're still 55. Come on. Manto bradegazo. You're joking. But there are no men. Yours will appear. Kosha brandego zigalata. Glory. When you learn to speak fearlessly, trust me, signs, miracles, and wonders are on your way. When you learn to speak boldly, you're provoking God to perform against his integrity. It will work. It must work. Those of you who know me when I'm speaking anything concerning Fenero, I speak so bold. And nothing has failed so far. And nothing will fail. I just need to conceive it in my spirit and speak it. Fenero can't fail. We're still here serving the Lord Jesus. Shout amen. I say, look at him boasting. That's the point. You have to speak until you sound like you're boasting. If you... No, it's not me. It's your Bible. The Bible says, ways are boasting. Is it by the law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. That means when you learn to apply the law of faith, you will start sounding boastful. If you're not yet boastful in your mouth, you have not yet believed. I hope so. No, that's false humility. No, you say it has to happen. Glory to God. That disease has to leave my body. That cancer, it can't stay. That diabetes, it has to go. That, that disease, it has no place in me. Glory to God. That, that Fearless. Freely and bold. And the Bible says, they were granted signs and wonders on their hands. You're there when I'm healing the sick. The sick are going to be healed. And I'm speaking boldly. 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 Tumors are going to leave. The crippled are going to walk. Now imagine you're in that same spirit saying, I'm getting married next year in April. How? How? How can it fail? Let me give you only five seconds to make a very crazy statement. Just make a crazy statement. Just a crazy statement. I cannot die, Ali. I cannot fail in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Poverty has no place in my house. Boldly speaking. Witchcraft. How? It can't live in my house. Nobody can bewitch me. 
unless they want to die. Bold. 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 I'm saying this for the first time before camera. One time my wife called me and they told me my daughter was born deaf. I told her that's not my daughter. She can't be deaf. I've just spoken it for the first time to help a certain parent. I told her that's not my child. My child hears. Ours hears. She said, that's it, man of God. I also told the doctor so. Second check. They said she doesn't hear. We said no. Our daughter hears. Third check, she hears. Come on, somebody. Refuse. 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 Tell your neighbor, refuse. Some of you just accept things as they are. No. You said no. No, therefore, no. No, therefore, no. Some of you just take things. Oh, you're a bit no, refuse. Learn to refuse. You refuse. You refuse. You refuse boldly. And you'll see a sign, a miracle. You'll see a wonder. Refuse to just take things as they you receive them. No. Kick a few things and say, uh-uh. Pa, no. No. I can't fail. I can't die. So you, you continue saying it. In the name of Jesus, I don't care how you feel. You say no. My stomach, you're in order. You're in line. In the name of Jesus, my blood, you are clean. No, you continue speaking. You refuse. What if things hadn't? You hadn't. You hadn't. Somebody shout amen. amen. Shout glory to God. Oh, your child has allergy. I say, ah, my child doesn't have allergy. But he has no, but he doesn't. We were praying with the, the leader of Northern Ireland. They took their little daughter to the doctor and the doctor gave this report. You people, the devil is evil. Oh, your child will never live past this age and we are going to operate her. But in operating her, she'll have to live in hospital. Uh, we say no! Not an grace. The same doctors came back and said, no, she'll live a normal life. Learn to be bold. Learn to be bold. Your son will not die of drugs. Your daughter will not die of alcohol. No. You refuse it. Glory to God. I don't know who I'm helping. That's why many of us frustrate the ministry of angels in our lives. Because we don't know how they were assigned and how they work. You know, people say, oh, angels, angels. Yes, angels were given to us. The Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 14, if you read the Amplified Version, angels are ministering spirits. Listen, servants sent out in the service of God for the assistance of those who are to inherit salvation. That's the ministry of angels. They are servants of God sent out in the service to assist those who are to inherit salvation. That means they, are, well, they were sent but many angels are sent to minister to us. That is why in the book of Psalms 91 verses 9, if you read the Amplified Version, he says, because you have made the Lord your refuge and the most high your dwelling place, there shall no evil befall you. Listen, no any plague or calamity shall come near your tent. For he will give his angels, listen, 
a special charge over you to what? To accompany you and defend you and preserve you in all your ways of what? Obedience and service. Listen, they shall bear you up on their hands lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent shall you trample all over. That means you shall trample over the devil and put him under your foot. Why? Because angels are there to accompany you, to defend you, to preserve you in all your ways. How do they do it? You think you just sit there and an angel comes to your aid? No. Read your Bible. Psalms 103 verses 20. Psalms 103 verses 20. You can read the KJV. Listen, it says, Bless the Lord, ye what? Angels that excel in what? Strength. That do his what? Commands. Hearkening unto the voice of his word. Who has understood it? So, angels excel in strength and do the commands of God. They listen to the voice of his word. That means... If you want an angel to appear, speak his word. Did you get what I just said? Speak his word. You sit in a car and say the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Angels hear that. To your rescue. They go on the left tire, the right tire, front and back, and they stand and say, no accident. Why? Because we run to hearken to the voice of the word of God. Everything you speak according to the word of God, the angels of God has them to fulfill. That's how they protect us. Angels just don't watch you know. They wait for you to speak the word because when you speak the word, listen, he says, they will accompany you. They will defend you. They will preserve you. Preserve you. Preserve you. And angel sees cancer. And you say, greater is he which is in me than he which is in the world. He bore my sicknesses and carried my pain. And angel sees cancer coming and he's like, hey! <laughs> Not somebody and tell him it's working. That is why you have to know the word. That is why you have to know the word. That is why you must get this word in your spirit. You must write some scriptures in your phone. You must type it in your head. You must cram with them. If it means rehearsing and reciting them over and over until they get in your head, you have to, whatever it takes, carry the word. Mando Bradega Zogalade. Who is edified this evening? Woo. The devil is in trouble. My God, my God. My God, my God. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Now start freely, boldly, fearlessly speaking. But everything you speak, quote a scripture. He who died and rose again Open up the book and broke off the sea 
Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Son of God. Oh, you love me. Oh.
power tonight your sons and daughters have spoken boldly fearlessly confidently affirmed in spirit because we are in the dispensation of the ministry of the spirit we are fearless we speak because we know when we decree a thing it's established we are free to believe we are free to speak no matter how big it is you are god with whom all things are possible and every word that has been spoken boldly tonight has been heard sicknesses leave trouble leaves poverty leaves strife leaves broken families are restored ministries are rebuilt whatever has been spoken even if i might have not have the language to express it but it has been spoken in lieu of this faith i believe that you have heard our prayer give the lord a manner of praise come on come on clap for jesus clap for jesus clap for jesus come on come on come on clap like it is done say I've never given my life to Jesus what are you waiting for this god we're talking about shed his blood for you died for your sins and he was raised for your glory to give you an opportunity to live a free life but above all to inherit eternal salvation and one day when you leave this earth if he's not yet back you're guaranteed of where you're going So if you're there and you say today I want to receive Jesus from the bottom of your heart say Lord Jesus I thank you for what I've heard today my heart has chosen to believe you that you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory today i receive you in my life as my personal lord and savior i'm born again only you can change me i know you'll change me 
Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.